Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. We've talked the last two weeks about God's favor, and God's favor being upon you and how much He loves you and cares for you. And uh, this morning, I told you I was going to talk to you about uh, God's uh, favor in demonstration. But I also was thinking about in this type of message, we have to also think that in God's kingdom, that living the God life means living in service to the Lord. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. There's a couple scriptures I want to read. Uh, One of the amazing things that I get to see and be a part of is people all around the world who have uh, not just said yes to Jesus, but they've uh, brought their lives into a place to that everything that they do, it's in service to the king. And so where does that thought come from? Well, it comes directly from Jesus. Because this is what he says in uh, Matthew chapter 20. If we uh, it's starting in verse 20, I'm not going to read that. But it talks about the wife of Zebedee approaching Jesus about her sons. Now, all the 12 were around there, but she wanted some special accommodations for them. When they get to be with you in heaven, Jesus, can one of them sit on your left hand and one of them sit on your right hand? It's just such human nature. That we think that we want to be in a place of stature, we want to be in a place of position, we want to be in a place that's over people, because that's the mindset in, in general for people who live upon the earth. Now, in verse 24, it says, Then the other ten disciples were listening to all of this, and a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, Kings and those with great authority in this world, they rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. And the greatest one among you will be, will live as the one who was called to serve others. Verse 27, because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the man, uh, even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served, but to serve and give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. And the greatest example, I always say, if you want to learn how to lead, read about the life of Jesus, and you will learn so many leadership techniques by what you learn through following his life that you'll be amazed by that. But the greatest principle and one of the main missing components in the body of Christ is the heart to serve. And that's what Jesus came to do. And we need to follow his lead because it's not our lead to search for position or go to a higher degree in some kind of fashion or form. And I always tell people in leadership, the higher that you go in leadership is the more that you're called to serve other people. The higher you go in leadership is what you're transforming in other people's lives that you have so that they can even do greater things in Jesus' name. They would even surpass what you have ever done in the idea of what you've done in ministry. And so uh, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And uh, this is what the Apostle Paul says about his life, his form of leadership and how he went around and all of his missionary journeys and all of the amazing things that he did, writing the majority of the New Testament. There was something in him that the more he did for God is the more he loved what he did. And the more he did for God is the more of his life that got experienced expended in the idea of being the servant that God called him to be. If you look at in verse 21, it says, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he connected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf, so that you would dwell in his presence. 
And now knowing there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless and restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. So this is what Paul is saying. My mission is to see that those things that he wrote before this, those things come to pass. Because see, until somebody knows Jesus Christ as their personal savior, they're not in the full place that God has called them to be. So the apostle Paul goes on to say, I can even celebrate the sorrows I have experienced on your behalf. For as I join with you in your difficulties, it helps you to discover what lacks in your understanding of the sufferings of Jesus Christ and what he has experienced for his body, the church. This is the very reason I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant to his body. So that in his detailed plan, listen, I would fully equip you with the word of God. We're so blessed to be connected to so many people here in Columbus, here in the United States and around the world who feel like that is their, their, their thing in life. That this is what they live for to do is to fully equip people in the word of God. It goes on to say there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. He says, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become, he says, my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we give the way we give. That's why we pray the way we pray. Because it's our heart to make sure that not only does everyone know and realize that Jesus Christ can be their personal savior, but that we can all come to a place that we can be a part of something that's even bigger than who we are and what we could ever imagine. Every trip that I take to Africa, I always feel like this next trip could not be better than the one that I previously went on. And every time I'm proved wrong. And this trip was no different in that respect. The things that God is doing in and through what we have the part, uh, what we have to be a part of is growing and expanding in a way that not myself or any of us could have ever imagined that we would be at the point that we are in right now. Just a couple of uh, quick facts before I dig into some pictures is, is that uh, the number 17, 17 represents the number of graduations that we did. And those graduations encompass 68 different schools. And through those graduations, we graduated 1,151 people. The number seven, that represents the number of COVID tests that I had to take while I was in Africa, seven and uh, the total amount of money for those COVID tests were about $685 to the closest that I could recognize. So you would get your nose rubbed before you got to the airport. And then when you got to the next airport, you'd get your nose rubbed again. And so seven COVID tests. 14. 14 is the number that represents the amount of legs of flights that I took on this last trip. 14 different airplanes 
that I was on to get to the places that I need to go. And uh, nine of those flights were on prop planes. And uh, so they fly just like every, every other plane and they get there to where you need them to be. Twelve. Twelve represents the number of hotels that we stayed in in 23 days. Now, I don't know about y'all who have uh, ever stayed in hotels. One's enough. But when you have to consistently pack your stuff back up and then get it back on where it needs to be and then drive four or five hours or fly two or three flights to the next place and then do it all again, it's really encumbering. On this particular trip, when we landed in Burundi, we had all of our material uh, or all of our equipment that we had for Kenya. So that had to go from hotel to hotel to hotel with us. When we got into Kenya, we still had our uh, equipment that we had to take to Uganda. So that equipment had to go with me everywhere that I went. And it's, it's just a, a lot of effort and work to do the things that we need to get to do. So once again, uh, when we go through Nairobi, they always uh, want to receive some money from us. And Pastor Chuck had went two days before me and uh, they started out at 380 bucks is what they wanted. He gave them one hundred and eighty dollars. And so two days later, I had to fly through Kenya because we left at different times and I had my equipment. And so I do the same thing I do every time. They send these, uh, your last thing before you go out the door, all your bags go through a radar or a, a x-ray machine. And so I pick up my bags and they're saying, sir, sir. And I just walk out like I don't hear them. And then it's like, sir, sir. So it's like, oh, you mean me? Yeah, you're kidding. And so I go back, we'd like to see in, in your two blue bags. And so I'm unzipping them and talking to them. I say, oh, well, you know what these are. These are projectors. And I can't believe two days ago, I'm smiling, that my friend came through and you made him pay $180 for these projectors to come through. Don't you realize that these are gifts for your nation? And as I'm talking to her, I'm zipping my bags back up and I pull them off and I say, well, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And so... She, she wanted $500, but I just left her there in wonder. It's like, what, what is the deal? How, how does he do that? And so that seems to be something that I'm, I'm world famous for in Africa, is not having to pay bribes and, and, and fees to anybody. Let's go ahead and, and begin and take a look at things. I have so many exciting things to tell you today. Uh, I'm just really excited. I want to give you guys the opportunity, if there's any time I'm going to go through a country, and if you want to ask me a question, I'd love for you to be able to do that. Uh, Judy, that's Uganda. I want to start with Burundi. Uh, just take a minute here. So yeah, okay, Burundi right there is in the heart of all of the, uh, it's really in the heart of Africa. Uh, it's bordered by the Congo, which uh, we are now, uh, have translated the Bible College into French in, through four semesters, working on semester five. Congo is going to open up. You see Tanzania to the right, that big lake is called Lake Tan Tanganyika, and it's uh, one of the deepest lakes in all of Africa. Rwanda to the north, and north of Rwanda you will see is Uganda, and on the other side, the other lake is Lake Victoria, and that's where Kenya is. So we fly in, if you look at the nation of Burundi, where the star is there, that's Bunjabora. And so we fly in there and start, and then we start traveling all over the place. And every place that you see listed there, we were in, and seven other towns as well. So the first day that I left, or, or we got to Burundi, we drove all the way down to Bururi. That's a, about a three and a half, four hour drive. And we met with some people there. I'm going to wait to show you the pictures. Then back to Bunjabora, then up to Bubanza the next day. And so we started doing graduations there. And then I took the long leg because it's brutal. I drove from Bubanza all the way down to Nyanzalak there on the very bottom that borders Tanzania and the lake. Now on the way down here between when we were in, from Bubanza, we came into Bururi and that's where the accident happened. I'll show you the pictures from that later. But then from Nyanzalak, I, we stopped in Ryugi, which is up to the right, and then all the way back up to Ngazi. So you can see in the first three days, 
of that trip, we drove uh, approximately, I don't know, 550 miles, but 550 Burundan miles are like driving from California to back. You could do it quicker. You could go to California quicker than you could drive just 500 miles into Burundi. So Burundi, as you see there, is located in the center of Africa. You've heard me say this before, 1962, the prophetic word that said, out of the heart of Africa, which is Burundi, revival was going to come. So I was born in 1962, uh, so I take that as some, you know, kind of uh, divine appointment that I'm there. And uh, also, um, uh, you know, what's the, the amount of schools that we have there, which is 206 right now, 6,500 students, something incredible is happening in this nation that's going to touch all of Africa. Okay, so let's take a look at a couple pictures here, and I'll be able to uh, run down some stories. This is the accident. So we were about 7,300 feet up. We're coming around a, an S-curve. It's a downhill. It's uh, uh, wet. And just minutes before that, I said to myself, man, our driver is driving too fast. I need to tell him to slow down. I was then got some thoughts for some meetings in Kenya, which happens with my mind. And so I'm getting ready to write down these thoughts. We come around the first curve, which is this way. I look over, hit the next picture real quick. And this is what it looks like, a valley. It's probably about 2,000 feet below where we are. Go back to the car. And then, so we came around the, the next curve, and we're cur curving to the left now, and there's potholes in the road, which is very typical. There's potholes everywhere. So the driver flipped to the right to miss the potholes and then zipped back up to the left to start trying to get us on track again. The car just went out of control. Once we he flipped the steering wheel to the left, the car started spinning. And so I'm looking at the mountain on the, on the right and knowing that there's a 2,000-foot drop-off to the left. And I said, Lord, please let this car slide into the mountain. That's just what I said. The guys in the back seat, they're screaming, Jesus, Jesus. And so we start to spin, and now we're headed straight for the cliff. And so you always wonder what you're going to do or how you're going to react in those situations. But I said in my mind, because I knew where the cliff was, I said, well, Father, I guess I'm going to meet you today. I said, I guess this is the time when I get to, to see Jesus. And so we came around one more half revolution and the car caught gravel and, uh, and dirt and it flipped over on its side and it started mowing through this row of trees. Now, there are no trees this, this patch of trees is about 25 yards, and all the way down the other side, no trees. All the way on the top side, no trees. This is the only place we could have went that uh, we would not have gone completely over the cliff. So we started mowing over all these trees that you see there. We probably mowed over 20. We're just bam, 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 bam through these trees. And, and uh, so we get to these last two trees, and on the other side of that is that cliff that I just showed you. And so, uh, uh, so I said to the fellows, I said, hey, we need to get out of this car because I had no idea where it was. We were all rattled and uh, the driver was trying to get out and he's pushing the accelerator and flooring the car. It's still running. And so I'm thinking those wheels are gonna catch and gonna, I'm, so I said to him, let your foot off the gas, let your foot off the gas. And then he didn't let his foot off the gas. And I hammered his leg, let your foot off the gas. I said, so he's like, <laughs> and I think he hit his head and he was just rattled. And so, and then one by one, we climbed out of the car and, uh, you know, I knew something wasn't right with my body. I have lower back issues and they were, it was perfect before I went. And now I'm having some serious lower back situations. I messed my shoulder up, but I'm alive to deal with them. Hallelujah. So, uh, I, that is the least of my worries, MRIs and cortisone, and that will lead me back in the right place. 
So let's go on to the, the next picture. This, this picture is a, a, a place in between Baruri and the center of, of the country. We stopped there on the way to another place because Isaiah wanted me to see this. This uh, fellow right here is one of our regional representatives for his area. And uh, this is, uh, as you can see, a cornfield that's way over the tops of their heads, which is very odd. The other thing that you need to look at is the health of the corn stalk itself, the leaves that come off of there, how wide they are. That is not normal uh, for Burundi. They're usually like this. And uh, you can see the stalks that are there. That's not normal. They're usually maybe two inches uh, uh, smaller than that. And in diameter, they're much smaller in diameter. This guy was donated this land in 1948. The church was by the government. And between 1948 and two years ago, it sat dormant because they didn't know what to do with it. They just, you, they just kept it. So when they went through nation to nation, they got to the community development stage. And what they did is they realized, we have all this land. We need to do something with it. So they had 105 of their church members that began to clear the land and began to plant. And this is a field that we're in that's about uh, four acres of, of land. And uh, it's absolutely huge. And uh, this, this man and his church and several other churches have formed a cooperative. And they will take uh, half of this and distribute it amongst themselves, take half of it to market where they'll be able to derive some income off of this. And the cooperatives, uh, which I'll talk a little bit more uh, here when we move on, are just one of the most amazing things that are happening in Burundi at this time. Go ahead and flip to the next picture. Tammy, remind me of Bubanza, okay, Bubanza. This is the crusade that uh, we got to preach at this time. This is the crowd of people who wanted to ask Jesus Christ to be their personal savior. And so this is a, a, an amazing thing. You know, uh, in, in the late 90s, God spoke to me prophetically that 100,000 people would get saved through the ministry that we would be a part of. And I don't know uh, how many it is right now. I lost track at about 15,800. And we've had multiple trips to Burundi. We're probably somewhere around 30,000 people that we've seen get saved. I don't know about you, but that's pretty dynamic. I mean, 30,000 people. Um, here's an interesting fact. I asked Isaiah, I said, and for those of you who don't know, Isaiah is our uh, head of our ministry there in Burundi. I said, Isaiah, how many of these people do you think have a Bible? And he said, I'm not sure. It's not many. Why don't you just ask them? So I said, how many of you here today need a Bible? You need a Bible. And 95% of the hands went up. So only 5% of the people in a crowd that size even had a Bible. So what we did was, is uh, we gave Isaiah some money. I'm going to use this term a lot today. We gave them some money. We gave them some money. We gave them some money. I came back with nothing but lint in my pockets, and that's the way it should be. Amen? And so uh, we, 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 we uh, gave 100 Bibles uh, to the churches that are there. So uh, the people who get saved, they'll come and, and get a Bible. Isaiah just sent me... Uh, 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 WhatsApp this week with a picture of a lady uh, who was at this crusade. You know, God says we, we go through prophetic uh, things. Uh, one time I, I said, there's, there's somebody here who's dealing with a neck issue. And then the next thing I said is there's a lady here who's dealing with not being able to get pregnant. Her womb's been damaged. And so we, then we just pray over all these people. So Isaiah sent me a picture back and he said, this lady just told me uh, her testimony that when she first got healed, it was uh, her neck had been uh, hurting for like, 18 months and you know it's because they carry everything on their heads they'll carry 100 or 200 pounds of, of of whatever wood water oil whatever on their on their heads the ladies do and so you know you could imagine if you were a chiropractor you'd have a great business there 
But uh, so the second thing she said, she went out in the spirit. She said she was in the right side of this crowd when we talked about her not being able to be pregnant. And so when she uh, uh, talked to Isaiah, she said she's 12 weeks pregnant and uh, she's not been able to keep a baby or have a baby the whole time. So this is the power of operating in the prophetic. This is the power of using the spiritual giftings that God has given you. Now, throughout this crowd, we prayed for multiple people to get healed. And there must have been 30 people giving testimonies and another group that wanted to get up on the stage to give testimonies. And so it just uh, uh, was amazing. And we had to, to leave at the end of that because we don't like to travel. They don't like us to travel at night. And so which... <laughs> We did the whole trip, but we left early on this one. Let's take a peek at another picture here. Okay, this is our facilitators training in, in Ungazi. okay? So interesting story. Judy, flip a couple more pictures. I'm going to tie this in with another thing here. I'll just tell you, keep going, uh, keep going, uh, keep going, uh, keep going right here. This is uh, a meeting in Bunjabora that we did uh, three or four days into the trip. This is a, a group of 55 of the top leaders in the capital city in Bunjabora. And all of these guys are like Willard Jarvis's, that they lead things like a C-CAM, a pastor, a ministerium with 50 or 100 pastors, or they're a bishop of a denomination who has 50 or 100 churches uh, underneath of them. And so uh, we, we had a meeting, we, we gave a, uh, an overview, we did a, uh, the UCE did a survey, and here's a 30-page report on the results of what the school and our leadership training is doing. It's, it's mind-boggling what's happening. So I'm sharing with these guys how to do a school, why we're doing a school, what this school could benefit you with, and uh, then uh, we were done with that meeting probably 10 minutes after I got done explaining it. And uh, a handful of guys went to Isaiah and said, we want this school right now. Right? And Isaiah said, you can't have it right now because you have to go through a facilitator training. They said, we don't want any more training. We're not going to. We have to have this school right now. And, and Isaiah waved me over like, help. You know, so I just told the guys, you guys have known about this school since 2017. You chose not to get in at the beginning. But now that you're seeing thousands of people graduate, you're seeing the government get behind us. You're seeing all of these things transforming churches. 75% of the churches that are in our school have grown dramatically since their pastor and leadership team has been a part of our school. And so I just told them, you got to get in line. You're not even first in line. You know, but, you know, I was just trying to let the air out of their sail a little bit here. But uh, so, uh, and I told them, we're doing a training tomorrow in Ngazi. If you want to be a part of that training, you can. So we were, we had two other meetings that day, and then we drove back to Ghazi that night. And Isaiah's uh, on, he said, Daddy, he said, 25 people from Bubanza are all, or from Bunjabur are already in Ngazi waiting to be trained. We don't even know where we're going to do with them. We don't have no place to put them. So anyway, so go back to that other picture, uh, a couple of slides back. That is where I'm training. Uh, we had uh, 60 guys signed up for that, which I, that's 10 more than I wanted. I only wanted 50 people to train to start new schools. So uh, we ended up with 96 people at that meeting because 36 more than what we wanted. We, we, they just show up. They hear about it and they come. And so that's two days uh, worth of schools. Now, uh, a week after we left, Isaiah went back to Bunjabora to that same group that I showed you in the other slide. And so they are going to start their school. Now listen to this. Those 55 of the top, top leaders and another 60 pastors only. There's going to be 115 bishops, apostles, pastors only in the first school in, in Bunjabora. And so 110 is way above the average. The average is like 45 students per class. 
They have their city broken into 12 regions and they're already signing up 50, 60, 80, 100 students in every region to be a part of what's going on here. Now, what, what's going on here is what, I, and I try to reiterate this, I'll reiterate this to you and reiterate that, this to them, it's the God factor. The two messages that I preached last week are why things are the way they are. Because when God's a part of something, he can't help but bless his children. And so that's why the, the numbers of expansion are growing. Uh, Dr. Cliff, the president of Nation to Nation, he said to me before I left, so what are you going to have, like 10 or 15 uh, people in, in Burundi, you probably tapped out all the people to train in Burundi, right? And so I'm like, no, uh, we had 96 people and not 10 or 15. And, and the it, people are just blown away by that. Okay, so that's my, uh, my main man, uh, Pacific, interpreting for me. He's an amazing guy. He knows more about American politics than most of you sitting in here. So He's, he's, he's a great lead. You'll get to meet him one day. Okay, let's see the next pic here. The next picture is this, this young man is named Ishmael. Okay, so he lives in Gazi with a caretaker. I'm going to make his story extremely palatable, but he is uh, the son of a mother and father who just, create, or just uh, uh, converted to Islam. And so uh, last year. And he's, yeah, he's 15 years old. He's our youngest graduate in all of Burundi of the school. They, they made him test before they let him in the school. But his claim to fame is, is that he is known all throughout Ngazi because he preaches in the marketplace. And so, uh, so Chuck and I and our interpreters, we met with him and hugged him, loved on him, listened to his testimony. And uh, so he graduated with his diploma. So uh, I'm going to personally pay for the rest of his school. If he wants to go through the master's degree, he, I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to sponsor him. Uh, so we, I already gave them the, the money for up to his bachelor's degree. So uh, I also said, we're, we were headed to the crusade that afternoon. I said, Chuck, we got to take this kid with us. I want to see what he's got, you know. And so we did. We took him with us. And my gosh, this kid's got presence. He's got flair. He's got, he caps, captivated the crowd. And uh, it was a pleasure to preach after him. He's been through more at 15 than what many of you will go through in your lifetime and beyond. And so anyway, it was great. And just another person, we meet so many people like this, but this kid just really touched my heart in a, in a special kind of way. So yes, that's my goofy hat and my goofy outfit. So, but I got to wear those every graduation we do. So next picture. Okay, this is uh, Bishop Seth. He's from Baruri. He's a bishop in the Anglican Church, and he's over four provinces. And so when he heard about the school 18 months ago, he started his school. He said the Anglicans have a school in, in Burundi. He said, but it's not good, and nobody wants to attend it. And so when he found out about us and, and uh, the school and all those different things. Yes, I actually brought a tie this trip, too. I just really felt like there were several meetings, like the one in Bunjabora, like this one, that I needed to dress uh, properly for. And so um, uh, in July, this, this coming July, through uh, Bishop Seth's uh, connectors, we are going to graduate 570 students in with their diplomas. And uh, he is uh, pushing now for our school to replace the Anglican school everywhere in Burundi. And so, and he's very close to having that happen. He's an amazing guy, just a gentle giant, just a phenomenal uh, man of God. And the other thing that he has implemented is, is he will not ordain another pastor who does not have a degree from a Harvest Preparation School of Ministry. And so you hear me using these terms interchangeably, okay? All of our schools, everywhere we go, they're called Harvest Preparation Schools of Ministry, okay? And uh, uh, we use nation-to-nation -nation Christian universities curriculum. And so that is the curriculum in Burundi that we have translated into all 15 semesters, videos and notes and, and the whole ball of wax. So when I, if I say end-to-end -end or, 
or HPMSM, that's the same thing interchangeably. The degrees that are handed out in Africa, and this is the only place that nation to nation has done this in, the degrees say nation to nation Christian university in partnership with the Harvest Preparation Schools of Ministries. It's a really big deal. It really, it's like if Ohio State gave out a degree and said in conjunction with Redeemer's Church, that's what it would be like. Not quite that big because, you know, the Ohio State University is, you know, I mean, come on. So anyway, that's uh, a tremendous connector. Uh, we've already set the date for this graduation in July because we're inviting the president of Burundi to come and be at this particular uh, graduation. You say, well, that sounds pretty far-fetched. It's really not. The president before him, who was a believer, he would hold crusades, and he would make every government employee uh, come to the crusade, whether you were a Muslim, whether you were a Catholic, uh, whether you were a Christian of any denomination, when he held a crusade, you all had to come. And uh, uh, it, it, it didn't sit well with one particular big denomination, and they did everything they could to get rid of him as, as the president. I don't want to go in and make this a political message, but there is so much politics in what goes on in what we do through, uh, you know, just different realms of control. We can do that in another meeting. It would take hours to explain how we got to where we are and how Burundi is in a period of peace from 2015 until now is the first seven-year uh, uh, seven increment that they have ever had without a civil war. Seven years. Is the, this is the longest stretch. God's opening the door, bringing peace, and he's also now uh, training and, and bringing knowledge to these churches, and the government knows what's going on, and I'll tell you more about that in a bit. Yeah, let's hit the next picture here. That is, uh, this is a meeting we brought 135 of our current people who are running our schools, and uh, we did a two-day leadership conference with them. It's interesting how we do this now. You know, the faces are regulars. You get to see people that you haven't seen forever. And uh, you're, just the relationship building is incredible. But during these two days, for the first two and a half hours, we had all of our regional representatives of all 19 provinces. They would bring testimonies. And the testimonies are off the chart. Uh, the, the amount of, of groups that have formed cooperatives, those are businesses that they operate together through multiple denominations and coming together. The things that are happening, the jobs that are being created are unbelievable. I'll just tell you one or two stories. First, uh, the, there was a lady in one of our schools three semesters in. She had just lost her job. Unemployment's 50, 60 percent in, in nations like this. And she didn't know what she was going to do. She had just watched uh, one of the uh, community development videos on how to raise chickens. She said she had a cousin who had had a couple chickens. She went and got two of them from her and started doing what she was learning, incubating eggs in uh, homemade incubators uh, and all of the things that go along with the process of raising the farm animals healthy, giving them the proper medicines that they need. And this is a lady that had no job. Now she has 300 chickens. She has seven people that work for her. And every day they're selling 250 eggs in the marketplace. And they're also transitioning like 50 chickens a quarter that they're selling for meat. Uh, an egg sells for 12 and a half cents in Burundi. So she's making $31.50 a day in a nation where if you make $150 a month, that's a great salary. And she's making that and more in a week's time and providing jobs for seven people. And she's getting ready to take it to a whole nother level. And she's going to double or triple the amount of, I mean, we're not just seeing people get Bible knowledge. We're seeing them, them being job creators. And so I asked Isaiah one time in the midst of all these testimonies, I said, are we running a business college or are we running a Bible school? And he's cracked up and said, both, Daddy, we're running both here. They're, they're both getting that. And so, uh, uh, so in the midst of these 19 
provinces and the uh, different co-ops. We, we figure right now there's uh, somewhere around 190 co-ops that are in these 19 uh, provinces. And, uh, you know, if one lady created seven jobs, you can imagine 190 has created well over a thousand jobs in what's happening now. They raise uh, uh, rabbits. Rabbits are a big source of meat there. They raise the big floppy eared ones that are huge. And uh, so they sell those. They're raising cattle. They're raising uh, uh, just all kinds of, of animals. They're, they're producing milk. They're, all of these things are making businesses. So in one of the graduations, the first one I showed you in Bubanza, the regional rep was giving his testimony. I'm sitting next to the governor of that province. And uh, when he gets up, the governor gets up to speak. He's like, you know, this is the most unbelievable thing. Never in my lifetime would I ever think that this could have happened here in Bubanza. Why? Because the government spends an extraordinarily high amount of time uh, fixing problems in churches. Churches have all kinds of, of problems, and it's just because of a lack of knowledge and Isaiah says it's because of ignorance of the word. And so, uh, but this guy said 75% of the time he normally spends on uh, fixing church conflict has been eliminated from uh, his office. And he said the 20 other 25%, those people are not in our schools. And so he knows that this school is what's transforming his community. So when we were done, we are heading out. We had to go real quick to head all the way down on that drive. I told you about nine, nine and a half hours from Bubanza to Nyanzalak. And I asked the governor, I said, Governor, will you please go see this man's field? Will you please go listen and let him take you a tour of, that, uh, of, of what he's done there? Because the guy said... I checked out six fields next to me. He said, my one field will outproduce all six of those put together. And he's not telling a fish story. It's really true. That's how, how much the techniques are, are, are changing them. So that man was here two days later. He said the very next morning, the governor called him and asked him if he could go see his fields. And so he spent two and a half hours with him walking through the fields and showing him and telling him. And the governor said, this is exactly what the president has been preaching the last three weeks all over Burundi, that you've got to form cooperatives so that we can start employing more people. And so, the, you know, this, this information is going up the chain all the way to the president. So these are amazing, amazing people. And so hit the next picture here. This is the first ever Bible school graduation in the entire nation of Burundi that was held in a prison. And so we graduated 72 prisoners with their uh, diplomas. I mean, that is, it's a, if you could see, you would never in a thousand years want to be in a Burundian prison. It is the most, you can't even describe what it's like. Now, this past November, they had a fire in one of their dorm wings, and it killed 30 people, and seven of them were our students who would have graduated, and we, we, gave, we brought degrees for them and gave them to them. That made a, 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 just the, they were blown away that we would do that. But it also burned up like 40 sets of their notes for, from other students. So uh, for the last semester, they all had to join together in pods and study off of each other's notes. And uh, I can't even tell you how uh, unbelievably uh, happy these guys were. And I must have hugged 72 prisoners seven times each. You know, the 70 times seven principle. I think I hugged them all that many times because they were just so thrilled for what we were getting right, what we were doing now. Um, I'm saying this to say thank you. Everything that you guys have donated, I've set aside for certain things that mean a lot to me, and that's one of them. And so all of the students that graduated, give yourselves a hand because you paid for it. You, you donated all the money 
for these prisoners to go through school. And I don't think there's a better rehab project that you could do than this. The man speaking right there is getting out of prison in four months. Everybody's asked me, did you ask him why he was in there? And I thought, no, I don't want to talk about his past. I'm excited for his future. So I spoke a prophetic word over him that, you know, what God has set you in, he's the head of this school, that now this guy wants to go into other prisons and start schools throughout all of Burundi in the prisons. And I said, when you get ready to do that, we're going to stand behind you and have no idea. We've already been invited by the government to go into more prisons, but, you know, uh, it, it's, it's not cheap, but uh, it's effective. And so this was an incredible day in, in Gatega to be in their prison. So let's go to the next picture here. And okay, so that was all 12 of the, the Burundi slides. So I just want to fill in a, a, a few blanks here of some things that were, I talked about the Anglican, talked about Bubanza, talked about the co-ops. Four of the co-ops who are growing, Burundi has two growing seasons, but it's extremely dry in one season, which our schools are farming in the dry seasons. And uh, through uh, irrigation techniques that they've learned through the classes. But the government has, has, uh, wow, it cannot be 1130 already. Gosh. But the government has bought four water pumps for four cooperatives in different states, and that has never, ever happened. The government has never invested into, into their people like that. And so, it, you know, we're just believing that every co-op's going to get a, uh, a water pump along the way. So, um, eggs, yes. And, and believe me, for every one story that I'm telling you, there's a hundred more, and I'm not kidding, a hundred more that I could share with you. Here's uh, Kenya. We fly into Nairobi. Chuck uh, went on the southern uh, leg by the Indian Ocean, Mombasa, Voy, uh, uh, Malindi. We had graduations in there. I go up to the northern part in Lodwar up there. That's desert. And uh, uh, I was uh, basically working in Kakuma 2 refugee camp up there. And so let's go through a picture here. Uh, this is the first time, this is a bishop from the Congo who is in the uh, camp in, in uh, Kenya, but after 11 and a half years, he and his family have family in France, and he just got the papers to be able to go to France. And so in two months, he'll be going there. But he built an incredible church inside of there. Uh, was an honor to eat in his house uh, and it's stick, you know, poles and uh, tarps that go over the house. Uh, it's, it's undescribable, but it is their domain, and they made it look beautiful. And I got to, to eat at his house, which was a, a total honor. And so everything that he's doing in that camp is going to keep uh, moving forward. Okay, going backwards just one minute to Burundi. We have 34 more schools that are ready to go. Okay, I'm going to give you some total numbers here. In Kenya, we have 15 schools that are ready to go. And it is the the best and really first momentum that we've been able to build in Kenya. And so that's that's over. So we're moving forward now in Kenya. Go to the next picture. Uh, This is training facilitators in, in the refugee camp. Six nations are represented in this one camp. Okay, so go to the next uh, slide. Same thing. I'm sorry I don't have make many great pictures from Kenya because we were by ourselves. This is in the middle of Kenya, the second uh, facilitator training that I did. And this group of guys represent 12 different cities throughout Kenya. So we're going to be able to be in about 16 different places now, uh, new places inside of Kenya. Uh, okay, so go to the next pick here. Okay, it is. Okay, that's okay. Go to Uganda. Okay, so uh, we haven't been in Uganda since 2005, and so, but we're back, and we're back in a great, great way. Uh, you fly into Entebbe and Kampala right there by Lake Victoria, and then we drove to see where it says Cabaral. 
we were even uh, uh, west of that in the middle there, in the, in the center. It was a four and a half hour drive. Uh, we, we, I left uh, Kisumu, uh, or wait a minute, I got up in Kisumu, Kenya, at five o'clock in the morning, finished a facilitator training, flew to Nairobi, from Nairobi to Entebbe. It's 2.30 in the morning right now. I'm going through COVID testing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and uh, so, and then we drove four and a half hours. I got to this next place at 7.30 in the morning and I was scheduled at nine o'clock to preach. We had three days when we had no hotel, no place to sleep. We just did what I just told you we did. And so uh, I'm not a good car sleeper, and I'm especially not a good car sleeper now. And so uh, to, and I say that loosely, but uh, you, you, could, you can be praying for me. So I've had lots of anxiety issues since that accident, and I'm not going to let the enemy beat me in this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overcome this with God's help, but you can be praying. I would love that. Okay, go to the next slide here. Okay, this is our guy in the middle is Bishop Godfrey. He's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. He is totally connected throughout the entire country of Uganda. He used to be the liaison for all six of the uh, refugee camps there. He is in Kayaka too. He has a school there that uh, uh, of children started with 35 eight years ago. He has 1,050 students at this school. 150 of them are total orphans that have been through here. He's built homes inside this for widows and single mothers inside the refugee camp. And uh, he toured us around the hospital and everything. Uh, there's, we went through a maternity ward that must have had 200 moms in there with four visitors each, beds back to back, no IVs, no anything like that, totally unsanitary. And I told Tammy, if you didn't have something when you came in there, you probably got something on the way out. And uh, it's, the, it's the only hospital for 100,000 refugees. Bishop Godfrey has started a clinic. He started it four years ago. They have a dentist and they have a doctor. Somebody donated dental equipment for them. And they, uh, the hospital in the refugee camp sends all of their dental patients to them because they have no dentist in the refugee camp's hospital. Uh, this guy is totally connected. Um, when, when we left, when we flew in on our way home to Kigali, Rwanda, when we were flying through Kigali to Bunjabora, that we had a six-hour delay that in eight, we, we missed our flight on the way home. And that flight only flies one time. So through a series, once a week, one time a week on Sunday. And so through a series of things, R Rwandan Air got us back on the plane, flew us back to Uganda. And I'm running to the, the, to the airplane, texting Bishop Godfrey Bishop. We're headed back. Missed our flight, need a miracle, can you help us? And so I'm, I'm flying, we're on the runway, fly, taking off, and he's texting me back and says, there's a lady named Alex, she will meet you at the plane, just do what she says. Sure enough, we did. She was waiting for us, it was, wasn't hard to pick us out, we're always the only two Mazungus that are, are around there. And uh, she walked us through every realm of security, got us on the airplane. The only reason we got home, and, and this guy is totally connected everywhere we go. We started nine schools with people he brought to Rwanda. We trained them there. We trained 15 more schools. We left him with 10 projectors within the next three months. This guy will have 19 schools going with close to 1,000 people. We're not even scratching the surface on what we're going to do in Uganda. So basically, we went to Africa this time with 270 schools under our belts and 8,100 students. This year, we'll start 50 more, 59 more schools from what we did this time, not counting what we'll do in July, but we'll have 329 schools with 9,925 students. It is mind-boggling. 
what, what, what's taking place there. So um, this is a quick overview. Boy, I practiced this in my head many times uh, today, and I just or up to this point, and I just wanted to just the average age of the people that are in our schools that are ministry leaders is 18 to 45. So about 75 percent are in that age group, which is just the way we want it to be. We want more 18-year-olds and we want more women. 18% of our students are women. And I told Isaiah, I want that to be 25% by next, this time next year. And he wants the same thing. Out of those 6,500 students, 1,625 of them are pastors. 3,200 of them are full decision makers in their churches. They're elders, associate pastors, evangelists. 51% of our students in Africa have an elementary school education or below. 13.7% of our students in Burundi have been self-taught on how to read and write. And if you can read and write and pass the test, you can come to our schools. Many of the people who got a diploma this last time, it's the first graduation certificate they've ever received. And so we are now starting uh, our master's degree program. The master's degree program will be going off by this summer, and we'll have master's degree students in Burundi and Kenya and uh, uh, throughout all of Africa. And so we're extremely excited about that. Just to give you a small foretaste, on April 25th through May 6th, I'm heading to Central America, and Mexico is getting ready to explode. We're going to be in three different brand new cities that are going to have their, past, their ministeriums there to learn about the school. I'll be training two sets of people there. We're getting ready to open 11 more schools in Mexico. And the good news about that is, is there's a $10 student fee in Mexico uh, and so per semester, and we'll be able to use that money to help offset some of our costs. Uh, the costs are just unbelievable. We put somewhere around uh, $23,000 into this one trip alone, and it was worth every single dime that we left there. So you are a part of several more co-ops. I left $100 per four different co-ops to help them get more plants, help them get what they needed, more chickens and everything. And uh, we're going to be specifically following one uh, because I wanted a co-op to be something that only a, a, a woman owned. And so we'll be a part of that. Here's the guys we trained there. You can see they made that beautiful banner for us as we were there. And uh, Uganda was just an uh, incredible experience all around. So um, if, if, does anybody have like a question that you might have about anything that I've told you about or y'all looking and saying it's 1141, my question is when are you going to quit? Uh, I can talk about this stuff seven days a week. And for those of you who might be wondering, I talk about you seven days a week when I'm in Africa. They know you intimately and know of you personally. And so there's... Several of you who have sown large sums of money into what we do, God bless you. There's uh, many, many of you who have sown lots of money, God bless you. And I, I thank you and I appreciate everything that you've done. This is not me doing it, this is we doing it. And so as soon as the COVID situation, you know, totally goes away, we want to take youth teams, we want to take women's teams, we want to get back in the saddle of doing that, which we will do. We've got multiple requests for all of that ministry to take place. So is there any questions that you might have in anything that I've shared this morning? Anything? Well, stand with me today. Thanks for allowing me to make this a part of the God life. This is God's favor in demonstration. And, and please understand that you got a, a report that really tells you about 5% of what is actually going on. It's, it's, it's astronomical, it's mind-bending, and it's a blessing to not only be a part of, but for us to be a part of as well. So, Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to share uh, with the congregation 
what they've been a part of and what they've invested in and that they could see that God is taking what they've invested and he's making amazing things happen there in Africa. Father, I pray expressly over our connector in Rwanda, Nicodem, who's had prostate cancer and father who's had surgery, but only a miracle from you is going to preserve him. And so, Father, we just join our hearts together for Nicodem, and we pray God's healing over his body. We thank you for all of our teams in Burundi and and, uh, in Kenya and Uganda, Rwanda, all of those saints that are just on fire for God and doing great exploits that we get to be with them and on their teams for these types of endeavors. Father, we thank you for Redeemer's Church. We thank you for the light that you have made us to Columbus and the nations for all the years that we've been in existence. And so, Father, today, I pray that we would all see that serving you is part of the God life, that being a part of what you're doing wherever we are is a part of the God life. And so, Father, we thank you for all of those Uh, salvations, all of those healings, everything that transpired on this trip. And Father, we just thank and praise you for your goodness. We give you praise. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Could we give the Lord a praise offering? He is so worthy. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listen to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.